Princess Olufemi Kayode uh, to talk about this. Uh, Princess, I don't know if you can hear me. How are you doing today? I can hear you. I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me. Yes, um, I, I did have a, a guest on your show a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jerome, and we're talking about the same issue. I know the issue of statistics and data came up a lot, and it's something that we don't tend to talk about or keep uh, a lot of in Nigeria. Um, we heard news in Paris about a tripling of reported cases of, of domestic violence in the last couple of months because of the lockdown. Same thing in countries like South Africa, and I think Mexico as well. It's happening everywhere in the world. And it's, it would be strange to think that Nigeria would be any different. Do we have any idea how bad things have been in the last couple of weeks? Okay, um, I'm also in the forefront because um, my organization, Media Concern Initiative, also have helplines. As of this morning, I was still receiving calls. Um, and we were managing damages going on during the crisis. Women were battered by their husbands, um, children were beaten, and all of that. So it is actually bad. But in terms of numbers, numbers will be an issue in terms of, of course, we talk about data in our country, it's still, it's still an issue. But then, um, I think within Lagos State, because everybody works together, there was a lot of collaborations going on together because NGOs could not step out to do, you know, the assistance that could be even given ordinarily. So we had to work with the states, which was the, the um, domestic and sexual violence response team of the states, was actually managing a bit of all of that, including the police. Although, of course, they could not really arrest most people, particularly during the lockdown, people couldn't be arrested. So that also put a lot of women in very funny situation because, okay, you've made your report, so... How could the man be, you know, picked up? There were some who were a bit afraid that the state was, you know, calling them up to say, oh, you're beating your wife. And so some of the women were saved. But there were some that was really bad that they had to really either move the woman out of the environment because the man could not be arrested because of the COVID um, pandemic, which we know that social distancing and all of that could not happen within, you know, cells or, or prisons. So it's really bad and it's still bad you know it's still bad yeah. it's still there that that that's is a little troubling or more than a little even troubling um the fact that people could not be arrested and i can understand why you might not want to have contacts you know in a time like this but i mean if someone is in danger why is arrest not possible and how frequent was this the situation you found with with the reports you got i think the issue was basically when you know, COVID, SGBV is, is, is already a worldwide pandemic before COVID breakout. It was a pandemic that we were not even managing as best as we could. So with COVID, when they were making the emergency meetings, there was no gender-specific, you know, um, 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 uh, portions, you know, in, in, in all those meetings, you know, in how to make sure people are not infected. It was all about infection, infection, and other social issues were not really put on the table for emergency meetings, which is why it's so important that every sector needed to be part of it. And so that's why it seemed like we, when we talk about no arrest, so what are we going to do? So there will have been, you know, brainstorming ahead to say, okay, fine, so what are the things that will come that will hit us at this time? which is what we say about planning and preparation. Yes, COVID met us, nobody was prepared, but then there still has to be plans on how to maintain safety 
of every citizen. And that was not it. Because even those who could call, NGOs who could support, could not pick up anybody because they were not among those who were given consideration to have um, the, the special status to move around. So you could not even go pick a woman who was beaten to stupor. So there are there were those kind of situations there. Yeah. And then even here, yeah, so those are things that were not considered. That, okay, fine, is it that the state provides some vehicle and the different strategic locations of the state, Badagri, Ikorudu, you know, all those assets are jar, and then, so not everybody is in Ikeja, or, you know, to say, okay, fine, there'll be a vehicle if there's an emergency, whether through the state's um, hotline, if you, if you call UNGOs receiving calls, transfer to so-and-so and let them move, and a tax force will still be designated to assist in this situation. So we did not have that. So, uh, I'm talking of Lagos now. I'm yeah. Lagos now. So, so if I'm using Lagos as a standard, so you can imagine what will be happening in other states. In, in other states. In the nation. So, I mean, so I know... It stands out. Yes. Yeah, I know a lot of, a lot of countries um, had to have like special arrangements in times like this when they realized that there was a spike in numbers uh, of domestic violence. I know some countries provided hotels as safe spaces for the time being for people to move in there, whether it was a woman or man or a child or whoever, to stay there while you know, this virus has been handled so that at least there's a safe space for you. There were safe words that were even introduced. If you make a phone call, you sound like you're ordering a pizza. But the person at the other end knows what you're talking about. You know, did we have any of those sort of arrangements there, even if it's with NGOs aside from government? Yeah, the interesting thing was for, for, for NGOs who, had, who have shelters, the issue was really getting people, moving people. That was the issue. Yes. We had people who still had, who had places. So it was actually, particularly during the lockdown, now we have a bit of, you know, um, there's an ease of lockdown. So there's a bit of, you know, um, it's better. But during the lockdown proper, it was difficult. There was no spe special status given for those who would respond to GBV. There was none. So there was no way we could move in. Media was given special status. Um, firebed and certain services, um, food people selling, but this particular issue was not considered yeah. on the table. So to to and then when you even call a police officer, they don't want to send their police officers to anybody's house. It was it was serious. Nobody yeah. wants to go to anybody's house. I don't want to. They, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be infected. I don't know where I'm going, which is true. I mean, everybody had to be to feel secure and safe. So yeah. there were no arrangements. Which I'm saying that it's something that we need to be looking at that when we are having preparations for meetings, whether for crisis or for any intervention in the country, we need to sit and have a gender specific, you know, um, um, inclusion into it, which means we are thinking of women, we're thinking of children, we're thinking of the existing problems. Because being confined, you know, becomes a forced confinement with people who are also uncertain. Some men were not even violent before. So not all women had violated, you know, violent men, you know, that could hit. And we're only talking about beating. We're talking about sexual violence. We're talking about wives who are being raped by their husbands. Excuse me, I don't want to do that. He's going to have his way, whether or not she wants it. And children that are watching their parents being battered and children are being molested. Sibling abuse is going on. Sexual abuse between children, siblings are going on. So people are confined in homes. And some of those parents are even, and then you're talking about uncertainty of job. Nobody, the bank is not sure it's going to, is coming back out of COVID and having a job. Imagine a bank announcing that some people are going to, people are already, there's pandemonium already in the minds so, of people. So it's here's. Stress. 
so here's what I want to ask now, because I mean, it's there's so much, like you said, a lot is happening <laughs> with regards to spouse, even with children and all of that. But yeah. so, I mean, some states are still under a lockdown. There's places like Kano, I know Rivers is still very strict with theirs. Some states might go back into a lockdown depending on how things pan out in the coming weeks. What should people in situations like that now do? I mean, what, what should you be doing? thinking about doing if you find yourself in, you know, in an abusive situation under a lockdown or a partial lockdown where you know that, okay, help might not be as easily accessible as it would be in the past? Um, there are still numbers. In fairness to, to um, um, people who are working in this space, there was a lot going on during... So there are numbers. Social media is... I mean, numbers are on social media. You can call this, you can call this. And we're still, I mean, I still receive calls from all, all, across the nation. And then we still call somebody else who is in Ibadan or who is in Oyo, who is in um, um, Imo to say, okay, fine, there are people over there. So there is a way we were still struggling and trying to make sure people were safe. So there are numbers to call. And there are also, you see, prevention. There are also professional counselors and therapists numbers available across the nation who are actually interfering in reducing gender-based violence in sense of anger management therapies are going on online. So access to those numbers, access to, you know, it's just a click for somebody online or call somebody will tell you, okay, you can call this number. People have called, people are calling, oh, someone gave me your number. Oh, I Googled online. I found this number. So it is available. Numbers are available across the nation who are receiving and helping and making sure that people are still being, I mean, the best we could do in the situations. Some lives have been saved. Some homes are, are managing the situation in terms of the husband agreeing to, to, to cancel and call a number. And some men who are realizing that oh, hey, I, may, I, may, I may do more harm, I need help. So the essence here is for the men who know that, for the men or women, let's not say it's only men, or women who are find themselves that they can't, you know, can't control you know, their anger and the outbursts, there are lines to call. For those who are overstressed, because sometimes it's even just stress, it's not stress, you could hit your child out of, you know, over anxiety and out of your, your capacity to cope with a lot of things happening around you. So it's not just, it's also about prevention and also response. And most states, yeah, yeah, most states, most state response teams are helpful. Working, everybody's working, there's a lot of collaboration going on, so there is help still available at different levels. Thank you very much for wrapping it up there nicely because, I mean, it's very important that people know that there's still help out there. Like you said, social media, there's so many people to reach out to. Reach out to someone if you don't have any number to call and someone might actually have uh, help come to you. Thanks a lot for all the good work you do and please, may everybody please stay safe. We're going to take a very short time out and be right back. Please don't go away.